the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. This woman has a thirst in her soul, in her spirit. She has a longing that she doesn't even realize she has. I think that's true for so many people. Everybody has, has a longing, has a thirst in their soul. You know, the Bible says we're, we're all created subject to vanity, subject to an emptiness. We all have this emptiness inside of us, this longing that is created by design for God to fill. And only God can fill it. The Samaritan woman at the well was representative of you and I. Your sins may look much different than hers, but all of us are guilty of sin. We try all kinds of avenues to try to fill that empty space inside. As Pastor Dan will explain in today's message, that space was created as soon as mankind fell out of intimacy with God. The only way to restore that intimacy and fill that void is by allowing Christ to redeem you and bring you back into relationship with your Creator. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 4 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 4. Look at verse uh, 5 again. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sukkar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It's about noon. Uh, Jesus is traveling from Judea. He's heading back up to Galilee. He's passing through Samaria. And he's not traveling in an air-conditioned bus. He's walking, right? And it's hot, and it's a long walk. And Jesus is tired. He's wearied from the journey. And so he sits to rest there at this, this well. So we see Jesus now sitting at that well. You know, John's gospel emphasizes the deity of Jesus Christ, but, but we also see here that not only was Jesus fully God, he was fully man, And as a man, he was wearied from this long journey. In verse 7 now, we see this woman of Samaria come to draw water from this well. So she's coming now. She's coming at noon, and she's coming alone. Typically, women drew water early in the morning and in the evening, during the cool of the day. And they usually did it in, in groups so they could help each other with the water. So they, they wouldn't do it in the hottest part of the day. And they wouldn't do it alone. They would do it in a group. Kind of like how women today go to the bathroom in groups. Back then, uh, they went to a well in groups. But Here's this woman. She's coming in the middle of the day, and she's by herself. 
And I, and I, I believe that she's coming by herself in the middle of the day because she's not liked by the other women in the, in the town. As we're going to see, she's an immoral woman. Uh, she probably has a reputation. Uh, the other women don't want her around their husbands. Uh, and so they don't want to have anything to do with her. Uh, and she came to the well, and Jesus in verse 7 says to her, Give me a drink. And we're told in verse 8, his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman said to him in verse 9, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritan. That's, that's true. The Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Not only that, uh, it was inappropriate for a man to speak to a woman in public. Jewish men didn't even speak to their wives in public. It just was inappropriate culturally. And so I'm, I'm sure this woman, she's, she's shocked that he asked this question, that he asked for a drink. He's a man, she's a woman, she, he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, living water in her mind uh, is, uh, is free-flowing water. It's water that you would find in a stream or in a spring in contrast to stale, stagnant water from a cistern. Okay, they called that living water. It's refreshing water. It's life-giving water, right? So look at her response. She's, she's just thinking on the physical here. Verse 11, or verse 11, she says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. It's 120 feet deep. Where then do you get that living water? Now, it's hard for us to know with what tone she said this. It's just words on a page. You know, it's kind of like an email or a text message. You, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't see the person's body language or, the, or hear the inflection in their voice. Uh, and so you get, a, you get a text message and sometimes you read it and you think, what does he mean by that? How are you doing? I mean, what, what, you know, and you read into it, right? Well, I, I think as you go through this passage, my opinion uh, that her tone is, is uh, rude, it's terse, it's short, it's cynical, it's sarcastic, it's impolite. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. They hate each other. They have nothing to do with each other. And I think her, her answer uh, is along the lines of, what are you talking to me for? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're a man. I'm a woman. Leave me alone, kind of thing. You don't have any, and she says, you, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? I, I, think there's a, I think there's an edge to the way that she's saying this to him. Then she goes on to say in verse 12, Are you greater, notice, than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And again, I think, she, I think she's saying this just to try to push his buttons. Because the Jews didn't see the Samaritans as fellow Jews. And to the Jew, they would think, Jacob's not your father. Jacob didn't give you this well. He gave this well to us. You know, you're an outsider who was brought here by the Assyrians. This isn't your well. It's our well. And so I think, my opinion, she's just trying to push his buttons a little bit here. And say, you know, 
Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us this well? And she doesn't know who she's talking to, but can you imagine saying that to Jesus? You know, who do you think you are? You think you're greater than Jacob? Well, I, actually, yeah, I created Jacob. So yeah, I do think he's, I'm greater than him. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, he will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. She thought he he was talking about physical living water. He's talking about spiritual living water. He's talking about living water for the soul, not for the flesh. You know, this woman has a thirst in her soul, in her spirit. She has a longing that she doesn't even realize she has. And I think that's true for so many people. Everybody has, has a longing, has a thirst in their soul. You know, the Bible says we're, we're all created subject to vanity, subject to an emptiness. We all have this emptiness inside of us, this longing that is created by design for God to fill. And only God can fill it. But what do we do? We try to, we try to fill that thirst, satisfy that thirst by drinking from the wells of this world, right? And we drink from the well of pleasure or we drink from the well of of money or we drink from the well of material possessions. We drink from the well of sports and and all of these things that we go and after and think that this is going to make me happy. Relationships. This will satisfy. Once I get this, then I'll be happy. And then we get that and it leaves us thirsty. So we go after something else. We go after a bigger one. We go after more. We get the newer one and we're still thirsty. And we keep looking and looking and looking for that thing that's going to satisfy our thirst. You know, you could write verse 13 over every earthly pursuit. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Anything you pursue in this life, it's going to leave you thirsty. You're made, listen, you're made to find your satisfaction in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. It's the only thing that satisfies So Jesus says, hey, whoever drinks of this water, you're going to thirst again. You drink of the water that I'll give you. You'll never thirst. The water I give you will become to you like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You just always be satisfied in the Lord. And the woman said to him again, I think sarcastically, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Give me some of this living water so I don't have to come here to this well anymore in the heat of the day. I think she's being sarcastic. Now watch Jesus in verse 16. He says, go call your husband and come here. You know, Jesus has been so patient with this woman and has put up with her sarcasm and her rudeness and her cutting remarks. And now what Jesus does in verse 16 is he just like like shoots right at her heart and just pierces her heart with this one One question. Look at your husband. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? 
I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And here she is. She's put up this facade and she's, you know, being rude and sarcastic and, and keeping, keeping this stranger at, at arm's length. And Jesus has a way. Doesn't he have a way where he, he can just pierce right through all of that and just bam. I heard somebody say one time that, that he, he has a way of, of cutting us where we don't bleed out all over the place. You know, where he cuts us and and it's, it's good for us. And he cuts this woman here. He says, go call your, go call your husband. Now watch what she says. Look, look, look at verse 17. And the, answer, and the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Do you see how our tone's changed? This, this, is the, this is the shortest statement she makes in this whole conversation. Before, it was, you know, she's sarcastic and rude and blunt and now he says, go call your husband. And he, he pierces her heart. And now her tone changes. I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you've well said, I have no husband. For you've had five, five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Now, she's never met Jesus before. She doesn't know him. She's never seen him. And yet Jesus knows all about her and all about her past, that she's had five Husbands. And we don't know what happened to those five husbands. It doesn't tell us. Uh, they could have all died, uh, but that doesn't seem likely, right? That she would have five husbands that would die. Uh, I would think after the her third husband drops dead, no guy's going to marry her, right? <laughs> You're just going to become a statistic if you marry her. It's more likely that she's been married and divorced five times. You have to understand in that culture, a wife could not divorce her husband. A husband could divorce his wife. So this is a woman that has had five husbands reject her. This is a woman that's had five husbands say, I'm not happy with you. And I don't want to be married to you anymore. She said five husbands say, you're not good enough for me. It's hard to imagine the kind of pain or hurt that she has suffered in her life because of men and because of these relationships. Because she's, she's, she's trying to drink from the well of relationships and find her satisfaction and her happiness in relationships. And now she's just living with a guy. She's living with a guy she's not married to. She's just shacking up with some guy. She wants the benefits of a relationship, but she doesn't want the commitment of a relationship. And why does Jesus do this? Why does he cut her like this? Why does he go right at her heart and right at her pain here like this? Why does he go right to where she hurts the most and expose that pain? Because she doesn't realize how thirsty she is. And she doesn't realize how badly she needs a savior to save her from her sins. And sometimes the Lord, the Lord needs to expose that pain or that hurt. He needs to hit us right in the heart. Just to show us how desperately we need him. You know, we're all, we're all good at putting up a facade. We're all good at faking it. We're all good at, at keeping people at bay and a safe distance away. And not letting them in. 
And again, Jesus just has a way of breaking through those barriers and breaking through those walls and getting right to the heart. Piercing through all of that facade and just showing us that we're sinners who need a savior. Showing us how thirsty we are. And he says to this woman, go get your husband to someone else. He'll say something else. Someone else will say, let me let me look at your search engine on your computer. To another person, he might say, let me see your bank statement. Let me see how you're spending your money. And it just cuts right through all of the phoniness that we can create. So verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then look what she does in verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. You see what she does there? She changes the subject, right? Jesus got a little too close for comfort with her. And so she changes the subject, and she brings up what is the, the most debated thing between the Jews and the Samaritans. Where is the right place to worship? The Samaritans say it's Gerizim, And the Jews say it's Jerusalem. This is such a lightning rod that she brings up. She thinks, well, this is going to end the conversation right here when I bring this up. It's just going to sidetrack us, and he's going to forget all about the fact that I've been married five times and I'm living with a guy right now. And so she she deflects the conversation away from herself. And maybe you've experienced that where you're talking to someone, you're sharing the Lord with them. Uh, and you feel like you're, you're kind of making some inroads with them, and then all of a sudden they just change the subject, and they, they bring up some kind of like uh, theological or theoretical issue. Well, what about the guy living on the island who's never heard of Jesus Christ? Really? Really? You're worried about a guy on an island, an island that doesn't exist, and a person who doesn't? You really, really, really? You're worried about that? Really? Or well, what bothers me is that there's so many different churches and so many different denominations. Why are there so many different denominations if you're all you know, using the same book? How can there be? Really? You're worried about denominations? Really? That bothers you? Really? Like you lay awake at night worried about that, thinking about that? Really? I'm a pastor. I don't think about that. But you, you think about that? It's just a deflection. It's just a deflection. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, verse 21, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus tells her salvation is of the Jews. In other words, he says to her, what you believe is wrong. It's okay to tell people what they believe is wrong, by the way. If they're wrong, tell them they're wrong. It's okay to do that. Jesus did that. It goes on, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And I love Jesus's answer here. He says to her, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship and how you worship. It's not about where. It's not about Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem or this building or another building. It's not about where. It's about who and how. You must worship Jesus Christ. And you must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit. Meaning there needs to be a reality to it. There needs to be an authenticity to your worship. You can't just kind of go through the motions of this religious you know, ritual. An empty religious exercise. It's got to be real. 
in spirit, and it must be according to the truth, according to the Bible, the Bible's truth. So our worship must be biblical. You can't just worship any way you want. It's got to be according to truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. She's trying to shut the conversation down. Well, when Jesus comes, he'll sort it all out. When the Messiah comes, he'll fix everything. She's just trying to shut the conversation down at this point. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. And that's the clearest declaration that Jesus is the Messiah that Jesus ever gave in the Gospels. Now, at this point, his disciples came back and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Remember, Jewish men don't talk to women. They certainly don't talk to Samaritan women. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman, look at verse 28. The woman then left her water pot. She came there to get water. She leaves with living water. She doesn't need her water pot anymore. She's got living water. And she went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. And I'm sure all the men in the city's ears perked up at that point. A lot of those men know her. All things? Could this be the Christ? This woman is, listen, listen. This woman is the first preacher in church history. An immoral Samaritan woman who doesn't even have her theology right. She's worshiping in the wrong place, the wrong way. But this is the first preacher of the church. And she, she goes into the city, the same city the disciples were just in, buying food. They didn't tell anybody that Jesus was there. They're the disciples. Here's this immoral Samaritan woman now, and she's going to the city and telling everybody, hey, come see the man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now look what it says. Then they went out of the city and came to her. In the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples, again, they thought he's talking about the physical. Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And nobody understood Jesus. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, now look at verse 35 and we'll finish with this. There are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for harvest. Remember the picture of the Samaritans? Remember their traditional clothing? They're dressed in all white. Here come these Samaritans down out of Mount Gerizim, dressed in white. Jesus says to us, look, the fields are white for harvest. He asked me how I know, and I say, brings truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. 
Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.